0: Wherever you get your podcasts. Sometime in the early morning hours of July 3, 1971, Jim Morrison, the iconic lead singer of The Doors, died of heart failure at the age of just 27. He was found by his girlfriend, Pamela Corson, unconscious in the bathtub of their Paris apartment. Morrison had struggled in the months preceding his death. After shooting to fame with The Doors, whose hits Light My Fire and Hello, I Love You helped define American rock music of the 1960s, Morrison had fallen from grace. He grew ever more dependent on drugs and alcohol, clashed with the police, and got arrested in 1970 for allegedly exposing his genitals on stage in Florida. By 1971, Morrison seemed desperate for a reprieve. He left the doors and escaped to Paris with Corson in hopes of finding calm away from the spotlight. But in his final days, friends thought that Morrison looked good, healthy. In what would become the last known photos ever taken of him, captured on a day trip to a commune just outside Paris with Corson on June 28, 1971, Morrison looked fit and happy. So it came as a great shock, one that has echoed with both tragedy and mystery in the 50 years since, when Morrison died a few days later on July 3rd. The questions surrounding his death have endured for half a century. Did Morrison truly die of heart failure, as the official report said? Or was it a heroin overdose? Or perhaps something else altogether? In recent years, new witnesses have come forward to challenge the official account of Jim Morrison's death. They tell quite a different story, one that might finally rewrite the history of this doomed rock star's untimely demise. You're listening to History Uncovered, brought to you by the digital publisher All That's Interesting, where we explore the uncharted corners of the natural world and the world past. I'm All That's Interesting staff writer Colina Fraga. Today, we're going back to Paris in 1971, to the day in July that The Doors frontman Jim Morrison was found dead. Before Jim Morrison moved to Paris, he lived the rebellious life of a counterculture rock star. And Morrison's rebellion started young. As a boy growing up in the 1940s and 1950s, bouncing between Florida, California, and elsewhere, he chafed under the rigid rules of his naval officer father and began to experiment with alcohol. But Morrison was an artist in addition to a rebel. He maintained decent grades and liked to read and write. He tried three colleges after high school to study film, but only stuck around at UCLA to avoid the draft. In 1965, he graduated and leaned into California living. Morrison spent his time lying in the sun, doing drugs, and writing down lyrics. That same year, he formed The Doors with keyboardist Ray Manzarek, guitarist Robbie Krieger, and drummer John Densmore. His father wrote him a stern letter asking him to, quote, give up any idea of singing or any connection with a music group because of what I consider to be a complete lack of talent in this direction. But just two years later, Morrison's band produced a hit, Light My Fire, which shot to number one on the Billboard pop charts. From there, they released album after album, producing five more records between 1967 and 1971, and penned iconic hits like People Are Strange and Hello, I Love You. Although The Doors seemed unstoppable, Morrison struggled behind the scenes. He'd met his girlfriend Pamela Corson not long before becoming famous and fought to reconcile his love for her with the fawning attention of female fans. Their relationship was both intense and tumultuous as it was marked by infidelity. Plus, Morrison was very much a creature of his world, the world of rock and roll. He did drugs, drank, got in fights, and hooked up with groupies, He was arrested once in 1967 for swearing on stage after being maced by a police officer, and once in 1970 for allegedly exposing himself to an audience in Florida. Through it all, Morrison often rejected his newfound fame. He wanted to be a poet. He wanted to be respected for his words, not exalted as a sex symbol. As he sat through his trial in Florida in 1970 following his indecent exposure arrest, Morrison felt that he'd had enough. In one of his notebooks, he jotted down, The joy of performing has ended. Soon afterward, in March 1971, Jim Morrison left the Doors and moved to Paris with Corson. He hoped for a reprieve from his rock and roll life. But, sadly, he'd never come home. In a way, that was the culmination of our performing, mass performing career. Mm-hmm. I think, uh, subconsciously, I was trying to get across in that concert that uh, I was trying to reduce it to absurdity, yeah. well, and it, it worked too well. Parisian life seemed to agree with Jim Morrison. He spent his days writing and walking through the city alone. He and Corson spent their nights at the city's underground rock clubs, including a spot called Rock and Roll Circus, which was known for its abundance of heroin. Morrison had gained weight before coming to Paris, He was no longer the skinny and boyish rock star that had posed shirtless with the doors. But in photos of his final days, Morrison looks newly trim, happy, and at ease. He wears a blue sweater looped over his shoulders in a French fashion, a pink shirt, and a contented smile. In some of these pictures, he and Corson sit together with their heads touching, looking very much in love. But everything changed on July 3, 1971. In the official account of Jim Morrison's death, he and Corson went to a movie, then returned home and spent the remainder of the evening listening to records before going to bed. But during the night, he climbed into the bathtub and died there of heart failure. When Corson found him, she called for help, but it was too late. Jim Morrison was dead at the age of 27. Because the French authorities didn't suspect foul play, they didn't conduct an autopsy. A few days after his death, Morrison was promptly buried in Père-Lachaise Cemetery. His parents didn't even know he was dead until after his funeral. But in Corson's version of events, Morrison had suffered from a strange and disturbing ailment in the last couple of weeks of his life, and had even been coughing up blood. On the morning that he died, in fact, Corson said that he woke up around 4am, coughed up blood, but told her he was okay and would take a bath. She slept for a bit, then went to check on him, but he was dead. Corson later recounted the scene to Dora's manager Bill Siddons, who said, Jim had a half-smile on his face, and at first Pamela thought he was kidding, putting her on. But he was dead. The true facts of Jim Morrison's death were obscured from this start. No one even knew he died until July 9th, after he'd been buried. And when Corson got back to the States, she made a startling confession to Danny Sugarman, who'd started managing the doors after Morrison's death. According to Corson, Morrison had actually died of a heroin overdose after taking what he thought was cocaine. Two of Morrison's friends, however, say that when they saw Corson and Morrison on July 2nd, the couple had knowingly taken heroin after a night of drinking. And indeed, singer Marion Faithful says that her boyfriend, Jean Dubratay, sold Morrison the heroin that ended his life. He went to see Jim Morrison and killed him, she said, decades later. In any case, for years, Morrison's death has been understood to be heart failure, likely caused by a heroin overdose. Meanwhile, Corson's story about the bathtub has not entirely stood the test of time. More than 30 years after Jim Morrison's death, another version of the story emerged. In 2007, a New York Times journalist named Sam Burnett, who, in a previous life, had managed the Rock and Roll Circus in Paris, came forward with what he claimed was the true story of Jim Morrison's death. In his book, The End, Jim Morrison, Burnett says that he saw Morrison enter the bathroom with two drug dealers around 1am on the fateful morning of July 3rd. But when Morrison did not emerge, Burnett, who was then 26, sent a bouncer to investigate. The bouncer kicked down the locked door of a stall and found Morrison dead. As Burnett writes, The flamboyant singer of the Doors, the beautiful California boy, had become an inert lump crumpled in the toilet of a nightclub. His face was gray, his eyes closed, there was blood under his nose and a white foam around his slightly open mouth and in his beard. He was not breathing. At that point, the two drug dealers with Morrison insisted that he was not dead, but merely unconscious. They carried him from the club. Burnett suspects that they took him home and put him in a bathtub in an attempt to revive him while Corson slept in the next room. Could Burnett's story be true? At least one person has echoed his narrative of that night, Patrick Cheval, a war photographer and writer who was hanging out at the Rock and Roll Circus on July 3rd. He claims that he helped carry Morrison. I think he was already dead, Cheval said. Plus, Burnett's story overlaps with Faithful's claim that her boyfriend, Gretel, provided the heroine that night. But if witnesses had seen Morrison dead, or close to dead, in the club on the morning of July 3rd, Why did they wait so long to tell their story? As Burnett puts it, he simply wanted to respect the wishes of Morrison's loved ones, who spun their own version of what happened to the rock star. Jim Morrison's friends and his fiancée Pamela Corson chose a story where there was no drugs, no alcohol, no overdose, Burnett explained. I did not want to dispute that out of respect for his family and his entourage. However, Burnett isn't the only one who claims that something happened to Jim Morrison that night that didn't show up in the official narrative. In fact, ever since Jim Morrison died, countless conspiracy theories have suggested that he never died at all. Perhaps because Jim Morrison died so far from home, or perhaps because his fans didn't want to believe he had died. Rumors have circulated for decades that he's still living. One rumor claims that Morrison is alive and well and living in New York City. This theory insists that Morrison spends his days in the Big Apple writing and reciting poetry, what he always wanted to do before fame got in the way. Another suggests that Morrison is actually living in Oregon, under the assumed name Bill Lawyer. Fans of this theory point to the fact that a Mr. Bill Lawyer called his rural ranch the Jim Morrison Sanctuary, although it certainly seems like a poor choice of name if Morrison wanted to be left alone. Regardless, Jim Morrison does live on, in his music at least. The Doors remained popular more than 50 years after they were formed, and their timeless hits have delighted generations of audiences who weren't even born until after Morrison's death. In that way, at least Jim Morrison got the respect as an artist that he always wanted in his relatively short time on Earth. Thanks for listening to History Uncovered. I'm History Uncovered's producer, Kit Westneat. If you like the show, help others find us by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And be sure to follow the All That's Interesting and History Revealed pages on Facebook and Real History Uncovered on Instagram. Make sure you don't miss out on the new episodes and subscribe to the History Uncovered podcast. And keep up with our latest stories at allthatsinteresting.com. If you have a question about the show or just want to say hi, feel free to call us at 929-526-3029 or email us at podcasts at allthisinteresting.com. This This podcast is part of the Airwave Media Podcast Network. Visit airwavemedia.com to listen and subscribe to their other fine shows, like Legends of the Old West and Redacted History. Until next time, keep exploring. Do you love history but hate when it's stuffy and boring? Well, look no further and join me, Katie Charlewood, your friendly neighborhood social scientist and reader of books.